Welcome to today's Triple Z. The Triple Z Podcast is a daily program that you can use to help you fall asleep each night. Just turn down the volume, lay back, relax, and enjoy as you fall asleep. The Life and Achievements of Don Quixote de la Mancha is a Spanish epic novel by Miguel de Cervantes. Originally published in two parts, in 1605 and 1615, its full title is The Ingenious Gentleman Don Quixote of La Mancha. A founding work of Western literature, it is often labeled as the first modern novel and one of the greatest works ever written. Don Quixote is also one of the most translated books in the world. If you enjoy our program, Please be sure to write us a review on your podcast platform and share us with a friend. You both might sleep just a little better at night. Our website is triple Z, that's three Z's dot media. You can also like and share our content on Facebook or our Instagram account ZZZ Media Podcast. Music for today's episode was provided by the Sleep Channel on Spotify. Chapter 43 Of the strange adventure which befell the valorous Don Quixote with the cart or death's caravan. Don Quixote proceeded on his way at a slow pace, exceedingly pensive, musing on the base trick the enchanters had played him in transforming his lady Dulcinea into the homely figure of a peasant wench, nor could he devise any means of restoring her to her former state. In these meditations his mind was so absorbed that, without perceiving it, the bridle dropped on Rosinante's neck, who, taking advantage of the liberty thus given him, at every step turned aside to take a mouthful of the fresh grass with which those parts abounded. Sancho endeavored to rouse him. Sorrow, said he, was made for man, not for beasts, sir, but if men give too much weight to it, they become beasts. Take heart, sir, recollect yourself, and gather up Rosinante's reins, cheer up, awake, and shew that you have courage befitting a knight errant. Why are you so cast down? Are we here or in France? The welfare of a single knight errant is of more consequence than all the enchantments and transformations on earth. Peace, Sancho cried Don Quixote in no very faint voice, Peace, I say, and utter no blasphemies against that enchanted lady of whose disgrace and misfortune I am the sole cause, since they proceed entirely from the envy that the wicked bear to me. So say I, quoth Sancho, for who saw her then and sees her now, his heart must melt with grief, I vow. Don Quixote would have answered Sancho, but was prevented by the passing of a cart across the road, full of the strangest looking people imaginable. It was without any awning above, or covering to the sides, and the carter who drove the mules had the appearance of a frightful demon. The first figure that caught Don Quixote's attention was that of death with a human visage. Close to him sat an angel with large painted wings. On the other side stood an emperor with a crown, seemingly of gold, on his head. At death's feet sat the god Cupid, not blindfold, but with his bow, quiver, and arrows. A knight also appeared among them in complete armor, 
only instead of a morion or cask, he wore a hat with a large plume of feathers of diverse colors, and there were several other persons of equal diversity in appearance. Such a sight, coming thus abruptly upon them, somewhat startled Don Quixote, and the heart of Sancho was struck with dismay. But with the knight's surprise soon gave place to joy, for he anticipated some new and perilous adventure, and under this impression, with a resolution prepared for any danger, he planted himself just before the cart and cried out in a loud menacing voice, Carter, coachman, or devil, or whatever be thy denomination, tell me instantly what thou art, whither going, and who are the persons thou conveyest in that vehicle, which by its freight looks like Karen's ferry boat. To which the man calmly replied, Sir, we are traveling players, belonging to Angulo Elmala's company. Today being the octave of Corpus Christi, we have been performing a piece representing the Cortez of Death. This evening we are to play it again in the village just before us, and, not having far to go, we travel in the dresses of our parts to save trouble. This young man represents death, he an angel, that woman, who is our author's wife, plays a queen, the other a soldier, this one an emperor, and I am the devil, one of the principal personages of the drama, for in this company I have all the chief parts. If your worship desires any further information, I am ready to answer you. On the faith of a knight, answered Don Quixote, when I first espied this cart I imagined some great adventure offered itself, but appearances are not always to be trusted. God be with you, good people, go and perform your play, and if there be anything in which I may be of service to you, command me, for I will do it most readily, having been from my youth a great admirer of masks and theatrical representations. While they were speaking, one of the motley crew came up capering towards them in an antic dress, frisking about with his morris bells and three full-blown ox bladders tied to the end of a stick. Approaching the knight, he flourished his bladders in the air and bounced them against the ground close under the nose of Rosinante, who was so startled by the noise that Don Quixote lost all command over him and having got the curb between his teeth, away he scampered over the plain with more speed than might have been expected from such an assemblage of dry bones. Sancho, seeing his master's danger, leaped from Dapple and ran to his assistance, but before his squire could reach him, he was upon the ground and close by him Rosinante, who fell with his master, the usual termination of Rosinante's frolics. Sancho had no sooner dismounted to assist Don Quixote than the bladder-dancing fellow jumped upon Dapple and thumping him with the bladders, feared the noise more than the smart, set him also flying over the field towards the village where they were going to act. Thus Sancho, beholding at one and the same moment Dapple's flight and his master's fall, was at a loss to which of the two duties he should first attend, but, like a good squire and faithful servant, the love he bore to his master prevailed over his affection for his ass, though as often as he saw the bladders hoisted in the air and fall on the body of his Dapple, he felt the pains and tortures of death, and he would rather those blows had fallen on the apple of his own eyes than on the least. 
hair of his ass's tail. In this distress, he came up to Don Quixote, who was in a much worse plight than he could have wished, and as he helped him to get upon Rosinante, he said, Sir, the devil has run away with Dapple. What devil? demanded Don Quixote. He with the bladders, answered Sancho. I will recover him, replied Don Quixote, though he should hide himself in the deepest and darkest dungeon of his dominions. Follow me, Sancho, for the cart moves but slowly, and the mules shall make compensation for the loss of Dapple. Stay, sir, cried Sancho, you may cool your anger, for I see the scoundrel has left Dapple and gone his way. And so it was, for Dapple and the devil having tumbled, as well as Rosinante and his master, the merry imp left him and made off on foot to the village while Dapple turned back to his rightful owner. Nevertheless, said Don Quixote, it will not be amiss to chastise the insolence of this devil on some of his company, even upon the emperor himself. Could your worship, quoth Sancho, do not think of such a thing, but take my advice and never meddle with players, for they are a people mightily beloved. I have seen a player taken up for two murders and get off scot-free. As they are merry folks and give pleasure, everybody favors them and is ready to stand their friend, particularly if they are the king's or some nobleman's company who look and dress like any prince's. That caprain buffoon shall not escape with impunity, though he were favored by the whole human race, cried Don Quixote as he rode off in pursuit of the cart, which was now very near the town, and he called aloud, halt a little, Merry sirs, stay and let me teach you how to treat cattle belonging to the squires of knights errant. Don Quixote's words were loud enough to be heard by the players, who, perceiving his adverse designs upon them, instantly jumped out of the cart, death first, and after him the emperor, the carter devil, and the angel, nor did the queen or the god Cupid stay behind, and, all armed with stones, waited in battle array, ready to receive Don Quixote at the points of their pebbles. Don Quixote, seeing the gallant squadron, with arms uplifted, ready to discharge such a fearful volley, checked Rosinante with the bridle and began to consider how he might most prudently attack them. While he paused, Sancho came up and seeing him on the point of attacking that well-formed brigade, remonstrated with him. It is mere madness, sir, said he, to attempt such an enterprise. Pray consider there is no armor proof against stones and brick unless you could thrust yourself into a bell of brass. Besides, it is not courage, but rashness, for one man singly to encounter an army where death is present and where emperors fight in person, assisted by good and bad angels. But if that is not reason enough, remember that, though these people all look like princes and emperors, there is not a real knight among them. Now, indeed, said Don Quixote, thou hast hit the point, Sancho, which can alone shake my resolution, I neither can nor ought to draw my sword, as I have often told thee, against those who are not dubbed knights. To thee it belongs, Sancho, to revenge the affront offered to thy dapple, 
and from this spot I will encourage and assist thee by my voice and salutary instructions. Good Christians should never revenge injuries, answered Sancho, and I dare say that Dapple is as forgiving as myself and ready to submit his case to my will and pleasure, which is to live peaceably with all the world, as long as heaven is pleased to grant me life. Since this is thy resolution, good Sancho, discreet Sancho, Christian Sancho, and honest Sancho, replied Don Quixote, let us leave these phantoms and seek better and more substantial adventures, for this country, I see, is likely to afford us many and very extraordinary ones. He then wheeled Rosinante about, Sancho took his dapple, and death, with his flying squadron, having returned to their cart, each pursued their way. Thus happily terminated the awful adventure of death's caravan thanks to the wholesome advice that Sancho Panza gave his master, who the next day encountering an enamored knight errant, met with an adventure not a whit less important than the one just related. Chapter 44 Of the strange adventure which befell the valorous Don Quixote with the brave Knight of the Mirrors. Don Quixote and his squire passed the night following their encounter with death under some tall, umbrageous trees, and as they were refreshing themselves, by Sancho's advice, from the store of provisions carried by Dapple, he said to his master, What a fool, sir, should I have been had I chosen for my reward the spoils of your worship's first adventure, instead of the three ascolts. It is a true saying, a sparrow in the hand is better than a vulture upon the wing. However, Sancho, answered Don Quixote, hadst thou suffered me to make the attack which I had premeditated, thy share of the booty would have been at least the emperor's crown of gold and Cupid's painted wings, for I would have plucked them off perforce and delivered them into thy hands. The crowns and scepters of your theatrical emperors, answered Sancho, are never pure gold, but tinsel or copper. That is true, replied Don Quixote, nor would it be proper that the decorations of a play should be otherwise than counterfeit, like the drama itself, which I would have thee hold in due estimation, as well as the actors and authors, for they are all instruments of much benefit to the commonwealth, continually presenting a mirror before our eyes, in which we see lively representations of the actions of human life. Nothing, indeed, more truly portrays to us what we are, and what we should be, than the drama. Tell me, Hast thou never seen a play in which kings, emperors, popes, lords, and ladies are introduced, with divers other personages, one acting the ruffian, another the knave, one the merchant, another the soldier, one a designing fool, another a foolish lover, and observe that, when the play is done, and the actors undressed, they are all again upon a level? Yes, Mary have I quoth Sancho. The very same thing, then, said Don Quixote, happens on the stage of this world, on which some play the part of emperors, others of popes in short, every part that can be introduced in a comedy, but at the conclusion of this drama of life, death strips us of the robes which made the difference between man and man, and leaves us all on one level in the grave. A brave comparison, quoth Sancho, 
though not so new but that I have heard it many times, as well as that of the game of chess, which is that, while the game is going, every piece has its office, and when it is ended, they are all huddled together and put into a bag, just as we are put together into the ground when we are dead. Sancho, said Don Quixote, thou art daily improving in sense. And so I ought, answered Sancho, for some of your worship's wisdom must needs stick to me, as dry and barren soil, by well dunging and digging, comes at last to bear good fruit. My meaning is, that your worship's conversation has been the dung laid upon the barren soil of my poor wit, and the tillage has been the time I have been in your service and company, by which I hope to produce fruit like any blessing, and such as will not disparage my teacher, nor let me stray from the paths of good breeding which your worship has made in my shallow understanding. Don Quixote smiled at Sancho's affected style, but he really did think him improved, and was frequently surprised by his observations when he did not display his ignorance by soaring too high. His chief strength lay in proverbs, of which he had always abundance ready, though perhaps not always fitting the occasion, as may often have been remarked in the course of this history. In this kind of conversation they spent great part of the night, till Sancho felt disposed to let down the portcullises of his eyes, as he used to say when he was inclined to sleep. So, having unrigged his dapple, he turned him loose into pasture, but he did not take off the saddle from Rosinante's back, it being the express command of his master that he should continue saddled whilst they kept the field and were not sleeping under a roof, in conformity to an ancient established custom religiously observed among knights errant, which was to take off the bridle and hang it on the pommel of the saddle, but by no means to remove the saddle. At length Sancho fell asleep at the foot of a cork tree, while Don Quixote slumbered beneath a branching oak. But it was not long before he was disturbed by a noise near him, he started up, and looking in the direction whence the sounds proceeded, could discern two men on horseback, one of whom dismounting, said to the other, alight, friend, and unbridle the horses, for this place will afford them pasture, and offers to me that silence and solitude which my pensive thoughts require. As he spoke, he threw himself on the ground, and in this motion a rattling of armor was heard, which convinced Don Quixote that this was a knight errant, and going to Sancho, who was fast asleep, he pulled him by the arm, and having with some difficulty roused him, he said in a low voice, Friend Sancho, we have got an adventure here. God send it be a good one, answered Sancho, and pray, sir, where may this same adventure be? Where, sayest thou, Sancho, replied Don Quixote, turn thine eyes that way, and thou wilt see a knight errant lying extended, who seems to me not over happy in his mind, for I just now saw him dismount and throw himself upon the ground, as if much oppressed with grief, and his armor rattled as he fell. But how do you know, quoth Sancho, that this is an adventure? Though I cannot yet positively call it an adventure, it has the usual signs of one, but listen, he is tuning an instrument and seems to be preparing to sing. By my troth, so he is, cried Sancho, and he must be some knight or other in love. 
as all knights errant must be, quoth Don Quixote, but hearken, and we shall discover his thoughts by his song. Sancho would have replied, but the knight of the wood, whose voice was only moderately good, began to sing, and they both attentively listened to the following. Sonnet Bright queen, how shall your loving slave be sure not to displease? Some rule of duty let him crave, he begs no other ease. Say, must I die, or hopeless live? I'll act as you ordain, despair a silent death shall give, or love himself complain. My heart, though soft as wax, will prove like diamonds firm and true, for what to each impression can remove that stamped by love in you? With a deep sigh that seemed to be drawn from the very bottom of his heart, the knight of the wood ended his song, and after some pause, in a plaintive and dolorous voice, he exclaimed, O thou most beautiful and most ungrateful of womankind! O divine Casildia de Vandalia! Wilt thou, then, suffer this thy captive knight to consume and pine away in continual peregrinations and in severest toils? Is it not enough that I have caused thee to be acknowledged the most consummate beauty in the world by all the knights of Navarre, of Leon, of Tartesia, of Castile, and, in fine, by all the knights of La Mancha? Not so, said Don Quixote, for I am of La Mancha, and never have made such an acknowledgement, nor ever will admit an assertion so prejudicial to the beauty of my mistress. Thou sayest, Sancho, how this knight raves, but let us listen, perhaps he will make some farther declaration. I marry will he, replied Sancho, for he seems to be in a humor to complain for a month to come. But they were mistaken, for the knight, hearing voices near them, proceeded no farther in his lamentation, but rising up, said aloud in a courteous voice, Who goes there? What are ye? Of the number of the happy, or of the afflicted? Of the afflicted, answered Don Quixote. Come to me, then, answered the Knight of the Wood, and you will find sorrow and misery itself. These expressions were uttered in so moving a tone that Don Quixote, followed by Sancho, went up to the mournful knight, who, taking his hand, said to him, Sit down here, Sir Knight, for to be assured that you profess the order of chivalry, it is sufficient that I find you here, encompassed by solitude and the cold dews of night, the proper station for knights errant. A knight I am, replied Don Quixote, and of the order you name, and although my heart is the mansion of misery and woe, yet can I sympathize in the sorrows of others, from the strain I just now heard from you, I conclude that you are the amorous kind arising, I mean, from a passion for some ungrateful fair. Whilst thus discoursing, they were seated together on the ground peaceably and sociably, not as if at daybreak they were to fall upon each other with mortal fury. Perchance you two are in love, Sir Knight, said he of the wood to Don Quixote. Such is my cruel destiny, answered Don Quixote, though the sorrows that may arise from well-placed affections are rather to be accounted blessings than calamities. That is true, replied the knight of the wood, 
provided our reason and understanding be not affected by disdain, which, when carried to excess, is more like vengeance. I never was disdained by my mistress, answered Don Quixote. No, verily, quoth Sancho, who stood close by, for my lady is as gentle as a lamb and as soft as butter. Is this your squire? demanded the knight of the wood. He is, replied Don Quixote. I never in my life saw a squire, said the knight of the wood, who durst presume to speak where his lord was conversing, at least, there stands mine, as tall as his father, and it cannot be proved that he ever opened his lips where I was speaking. Truly, quoth Sancho, I have talked, and can talk before one as good as and perhaps, but let that rest, perhaps the less said the better. The knight of the wood squire now took Sancho by the arm, and said, let us two go where we may chat squire-like together, and leave these masters of ours to talk over their loves to each other, for I warrant they will not have done before tomorrow morning. With all my heart, quoth Sancho, and I will tell you who I am, that you may judge whether I am not fit to make one among the talking squires. The squires then withdrew, and a dialogue passed between them as lively as that of their masters was grave. Chapter 45 Wherein is continued the adventure of the Knight of the Wood with the wise and witty dialogue between the two squires. Having retired a little apart, the squire of the wood said to Sancho, This is a toilsome life we squires to knights errant lead. In good truth, we are bred by the sweat of our brows, which is one of the curses God laid upon our first parents. You may say too, that we eat it by the frost of our bodies, added Sancho, for who has to bear more cold, as well as heat, than your miserable squires to errantry? It would not be quite so bad if we could always get something to eat, for good fair lessons care, but how often we must pass whole days without breaking our fast unless it be upon air. All this may be endured, quoth he of the wood, with the hopes of reward, for that knight Aaron must be unlucky indeed who does not speedily recompense his squire with at least a handsome government or some pretty earldom. I, replied Sancho, have already told my master that I should be satisfied with the government of an island, and he is so noble and so generous that he has promised to me a thousand times. And I, said he of the wood, should think myself amply rewarded for all my services with the cannonry, and I have my master's word for it too. Why then, quoth Sancho, but like your master is some knight of the church, and so can bestow rewards of that kind on his squires, mine is only a layman. Some of his wise friends advised him once to be an archbishop, but he would be nothing but an emperor, and I trembled all the while lest he should take a liking to the church, because, you must know, I am not gifted that way, to say the truth, sir, though I look like a man, I am a very beast in such matters. Let me tell you, friend, quoth he of the wood, you are quite in the wrong, for these island governments are often more plague than profit. Some are crabbed, some beggarly, some in short, the best of them are sure to bring more care than they are worth, 
and are mostly too heavy for the shoulders that have to bear them. I suspect it would be wiser in us to quit this thankless drudgery and stay at home where we may find easier work and better pastime, for he must be a sorry squire who is not his nag, his brace of greyhounds, and an angling rod to enjoy himself with at home. I am not without these things, answered Sancho. It is true I have no horse, but then I have an ass which is worth twice as much as my master's steed. I would not swap with him, though he should offer me four bushels of barley to boot. No, that would not I, though you may take for a joke the price I set upon my dapple, for dapple, sir, is the color of my ass. Greyhounds I cannot be in love, as our town is overstocked with them. Besides, the rarest sporting is that we find at other people's cost. Really and truly, brother squire, answered he of the wood, I have resolved with myself to quit the frolics of these knights errant and get home again and look after my children, for I have three like Indian pearls. And I have two, quoth Sancho, fit to be presented to the Pope himself in person, especially my girl that I am breeding up for a countess, if it please God, in spite of her mother. But I beseech God to deliver me from this dangerous profession of squireship, into which I have run a second time, drawn and tempted by a purse of a hundred ducats, which I found one day among the mountains. In truth, my fancy is continually setting before my eyes, here, there, and everywhere, a bag full of gold pistoles, so that methinks at every step I am laying my hand upon it, hugging it, and carrying it home, buying lands, settling rents, and living like a prince, and while this runs in my head, I can bear all the toil which must be suffered with this foolish master of mine, who, to my knowledge, is more the madman than the knight. Indeed, friend, said the squire of the wood, you verify the proverb, which says that covetousness bursts the back. Truly, friend, now you talk of madmen, there is not a greater one in the world than my master. The old saying may be applied to him, other folks' burdens break the ass's back, for he gives up his own wits to recover those of another, and is searching after that which, when found, may chance to hit him in the teeth. By the way, he is in love, it seems, said Sancho. Yes, quoth he of the wood, with one Casildia de Vandalia, one of the most whimsical dames in the world but that is not the foot he halts on at present. He has some other crotchets in his pate, which we shall hear more of anon. There is no road so even, but it has its stumbling places, replied Sancho. In other folks' houses they boil beans, but in mine whole kettles full. Madness will have more followers than discretion, but if the common saying is true, that there is some comfort in having partners in grief, I may comfort myself with you, whose service crack-brained a master as my own. Crack-brained, but valiant, answered he of the wood, and more knavish than either. Mine, answered Sancho, has nothing of the knave in him, so far from it, he has a soul as pure as a pitcher, and would not harm a fly, he bears no malice, and a child may persuade him it is night and noonday, for which I love him as my life, 
and cannot find in my heart to leave him in spite of all his pranks. For all that, brother, quoth he of the wood, if the blind lead the blind, both may fall into the ditch. We had better turn us fairly about and go back to our homes, for they who seek adventures find them sometimes to their cost. But methinks, said he, we have talked till our throats are dry, but I have got, hanging in my saddle bow, that which will refresh them, when, rising up, he quickly produced a large bottle of wine, and it passed he half a yard long, without any exaggeration, for it was made of so large a rabbit that Sancho thought verily it must contain a whole goat, or at least a kid, and, after due examination, how, said he, do you carry such things about with you? Why, what do you think, answered the other, did you take me for some starveling squire? No, no, I have a better cupboard behind me on my horse than a general carries with him upon a march. Sancho fell to, without waiting for entreaties, and swallowed down huge mouthfuls in the dark. Your worship, said he, is indeed a squire, trusty and loyal, round and sound, magnificent and great withal, as this banquet proves, if it did not come by enchantment, and not a poor wretch like myself, with nothing in my wallet but a piece of cheese, and that's so hard that you may knock out a giant's brains with it, and four dozen of caribs to bury company, with as many filberts thanks to my master's stinginess, and to the fancy he has taken that night's errand ought to feed, like cattle upon roots and wild herbs. Troth, brother, replied he of the wood, I have no stomach for your wild pears, nor sweet thistles, nor your mountain roots, let our masters have them, with their fancies and their laws of chivalry, and let them eat what they commend. I carry cold meats and this bottle at the pommel of my saddle, happen what will, and such is my love and reverence for it, that I kiss and hug it every moment. And as he spoke, he put it into Sancho's hand, who grasped it, and, applying it straightway to his mouth, continued gazing at the stars for a quarter of an hour, then, having finished his draft, he let his head fall on one side, and, fetching a deep sigh, said, Oh, the rogue! How excellent it is! But tell me, by all you love best, is not this one of Ciudad real? Thou art a rare taster, answered he of the wood, it is indeed of no other growth, and has, besides, some years over its head. Trust me for that, quoth Sancho, depend upon it, I always hit right, and can guess to a hair. And this is all natural in me, let me but smell them, and I will tell you the country, the kind, the flavor, the age, strength, and all about it, for you must know I have had in my family, by the father's side, two of the rarest tasters that were ever known in La Mancha, and I will give you a proof of their skill. A certain hogshead was given to each of them to taste, and their opinion asked as to the condition, quality, goodness, or badness of the wine. One tried it with the tip of his tongue, the other only put it to his nose. The first said the wine savored of iron, the second said it had rather a twang of goat's leather. The owner protested that the vessel was clean and the wine neat, 
so that it could not taste either of iron or leather. Notwithstanding this, the two famous tasters stood positively to what they had said. Time went on, the wine was sold off, and, on cleaning the cask, a small key, hanging to a leathern thong, was found at the bottom. Judge, then, sir, whether one of that race may not be well entitled to give his opinion in these matters. That being the case, quoth he of the wood, we should leave off seeking adventures, and, since we have a good loaf, let us not look for cheesecakes, but make haste and get home to our own cots. I will serve my master till he reaches Saragossa, quoth Sancho, then, mayhap, we shall turn over a new leaf. Thus the good squires went on talking and eating and drinking until it was full time that sleep should give their tongues a respite and allay their thirst, for to quench it seemed to be impossible, and both of them, still keeping hold of the almost empty bottle, fell fast asleep, in which situation we will leave them at present to relate what passed between the two knights.